Yeah, I, I'm Jackson. I have zero experience with carpentry. I studied at a school for historic preservation in Boston and learned about how things were built you know, 250 years ago. There's a long way to go. I'm nowhere near the top. Not that I thought I was, but there's so much more to do out there. Uh, welcome back to the Passion for Craft podcast. We're really excited to introduce a guest, Eric Ani. I'm actually going to let Brent uh, introduce him. Brent, you want to take it away? Yeah, we're excited today to talk to Eric Ani. He is uh, a guy I know through the Build Show. Uh, he is a contributor over there along with me and a bunch of other guys on uh, thebuildshow.com. Um, Eric is a master plumber. Um, and I thought it'd be fun to have him on the show today as we talk about craft, as we talk about, you know, and we want to encourage craft in America. We want to encourage people to, you know, pursue the trades. And, you know, here talking to someone who has to get licensed as a plumber, what that means, what, you know, how he set up his business and the, the way he conducts himself. He's awesome. He's a great educator. Uh, he does some fun stuff on the, on, on his, uh, video podcast he's got a thing called mechanical hub we'll get jump into but yeah no uh eric thank you for joining us today yeah thanks for having me eric would love to start uh just for our audience uh for you to just explain a little bit about yourself i know you got a great intro from brent there but uh would you help fill in the gaps anything that we might have missed uh that you're excited about or working on passionate about uh yeah well um just a real quick background i've been a plumber since 1998 which officially makes me about 175 years old. And <laughs> I've been in Minnesota my entire career. So I have uh, some older family members that were in the trades. And I actually went to engineering college in the University of Minnesota for a couple of years before I decided that I thought maybe being in the trades was going to be a better course for me. I started an apprenticeship way back then. I did my whole state required thing, took a whole bunch of tests. And now all these years later, I've been working as a master plumber for a number of years and I own my own business. So um, let's start, we had an episode where we talked about, you know, college or the trades and um, you know, how do you make that decision and stuff? You actually went to college as it sounds like a mechanical engineer. Um, what was, yep. you know, t t walk us through that. You know, was it because you liked working with your hands, you wanted to kind of get dirty you afraid to be behind a computer the whole time what, what was the thinking and process there you know actually kind of both of those things so I looked back at my upbringing and I was so lucky to have a dad who was mechanically inclined he was really into motorcycles could work on vehicles things like that some of it was by necessity and I learned how to work on small engines like lawnmowers dirt bikes things like that and I realized pretty early on when I was taking some classes um, as an engineering student, a freshman, a sophomore, uh, and junior, I learned that I liked the mechanical part of the engineering business. I liked the physical part of it, like the design, the testing, the pushing things to their limits to see if they could break. And I thought, I don't want to sit in a computer behind a computer and design these things. I'd rather like go out in the field and test them. And at the time, it really wasn't a lot of emphasis on that in that career path. Everybody told you, no, you're going to go work for some big major manufacturer and you're going to design products. And at least that's the, what I was learning at the school I was at and the people that were around me. And I just, I didn't think that that was going to be for me. And I was, I had everything going against me. I was trying to, you know, work while I was going to school. I wasn't staying on campus. I, you know, you name it. I just, 
had every reason to quit school. And it was pretty, it was pretty much an easy decision for me because I, I thought for sure I could just go make money and go work with my hands. Yeah, that's really awesome. Um, just, I guess, kind of continuing in that same line of, of schooling and uh, certifications. Um, one thing that we're fascinated by is you, uh, you've been a master plumber, a licensed master plumber for now about 20 years. Um, and so uh, building is a trade where obviously you don't have to be licensed. And I uh, just wanted to, to hear a bit about that licensing side of plumbing um, because, and I guess for me, for the apprentice who doesn't really know much, um, would love to know what it means to be a licensed plumber versus maybe an unlicensed one. Yeah. So in Minnesota, and it's similar in a lot of states across the country, unfortunately, we don't have a uniform, you know, meth, you know, uh, guidelines on this and state laws and things like that. But here you have to serve a minimum four year apprentice, uh, ship and it has to be organized. So you're working under, licensed master plumbers or journeyman plumbers. And after you've completed those uh, recorded hours and whatnot, and you've worked in the industry for a minimum amount of hours, then you are able to take a test. But that test only gets you what's called that journeyman or journey worker license. I have to still work under a master plumber at that point. Uh, with in Minnesota, you have to work for about a year, I think after that point, and then you're eligible to take another test. Well, th so that all of that means is I've proven to the state of Minnesota under the guides of the plumbing code and the mechanical code and the gas code, things like that, that I'm competent. I've basically, what it means is I've memorized everything in those books and I can go out and do it according to the rules in those books. Um, and then of course you have your your practical experience, like you have to prove that you've worked those hours in order to sit down and take those tests. Just curious, how many hours, how many hours is it, Eric? I think it's 1700 hours a year. Um, there's some different guidelines over that because we've had a couple, since I started plumbing, we've had a couple of recessions and that's changed how things have um, happened in the construction industry. Remember back in 2008, nobody had jobs for a while. And so they had to redo some of those guidelines that said like the hours didn't have to be done within a calendar year. So some people were doing apprenticeship programs that are lasting, you know, six years at that point in time, just because they had to get their hours in, um, because there wasn't enough work to get done. Now I was lucky. I came into the industry and as there still is today, a shortage, uh, of plumbers, apprentices, you name it, but there was no shortage of work. So I could work as much as I wanted. I could work way more than the minimum required in a, in that time. The, I think it's fascinating, one, that there's still a you know, apprentice journeyman master system, okay? Uh, I think electricians are the same way. I don't know about HVAC contractors. Um, you know, so one, that that's encouraging sign for craft and, and, and trades. As a builder, I wish there was that kind of system for builders. Um, do you have any insights or comments on that? Um, I'm just curious whether, you know, one, one piece of it is we had an episode called 10,000 hours. I think I sent it to you just how long it takes to become a master. You're, if you're 1700 hours, you know, for six years or five years, you know, that is basically 10,000 hours. Just kind of speak to all that kind of, you know, nature of, of craft, of building the crafts and, and maybe any other comments you might have. Yeah, I, I like the hierarchy of it. I, I think it, it really is starting somebody out at the bottom doesn't mean that they're any less um, 
valuable to the team. It, it just means that they're starting. That's all it means. So being an apprentice isn't, uh, you know, anything to be ashamed of. I think it's something to be very proud of. So right. you're starting <laughs> a journey onto something that <laughs> I think you're, I think it's, you know, to be proud of that saying like, this is the path I'm going to take for at least a certain, I'm going to give it a shot. And if I go through this an entire program, I'm going to come out the other end competent at something. Now you could be a master at uh, doing certain aspects of your job. And, and you could say, well, I'm a master of this, but to say I'm a master plumber, it, it is a title, I guess. I, I don't know how much weight I've ever put on it. I do take pride in what I've accomplished, but I mean, I've done everything from new construction, residential to commercial to industrial. And I've welded pipe and I've, uh, dug trenches and I've cleaned drains. And so, yeah, I've done like all of it, but that's not the requirement to, to achieve that title. I think I can look back at a, a pretty decent career so far and say, I am proud to say, and, and competent to say I'm a master at this craft, but I'm always going to keep learning, learning. So I look back to my apprenticeship and that kind of hierarchy of, you know, yes, a license says that I am this, but I'm not ever going to be a full master of every aspect of my job. You know, I'm still in apprentice mode sometimes. Like I'm, you know, the, the technology has been changing in our industry on the heating and cooling side of things. And so like heat pumps and electrification of everything. And it's put me back in to like into my place to say, you are not good at everything you do. You need to learn a whole lot to be way better at this than you are right now. I'm no different than being an apprentice in that respect. Do you think part of that is just uh, with new technology coming out, it, it changes the field? Uh, and I guess with that, do you feel like you maybe miss, uh, quote unquote, missed a part of your certification uh, whenever a new uh, heating unit comes out or a new, uh, I don't know, material for pipe comes out? Sorry, I'm not well versed in uh, plumbing terminology. Uh, you know, I look at it as an opportunity to, as a business owner, I look at new innovations and new technologies and new appliances or piping or fitting systems or whatever. I look at those with a different attitude than probably a lot of people in my industry do. I look at it as an opportunity to learn more and, you know, test it out and see if this is actually going to help me be better at my job. Like, is this going to be more efficient in the process so that my customers are inconvenienced less or can we trust this product more than, or as much as we trusted the last one for the last, you know, hundred years, things like that. And I look at it as an opportunity. Well, and, and speak to, I remember when tankless water heaters were first coming out, uh, obviously a new technology. Uh, I remember they were early on, uh, they, they, they couldn't quite, you know, fill up a bathtub, right? Because the gallons per minute, I mean, is that an example of kind of that new technology that took some learning curve and, and stuff like that? It did, of course, but then, of course, in time, this technology has improved, right? So now you can go have, you can either go buy and install yourself or have a plumber install a tankless water heater for you that is absolutely going to fill your bathtub. You're never going to run out of hot water. It's going to be sized properly and it's going to be super capable. And it might not even be the same one that your neighbor needs because maybe they have a house half the size with less people in it. You know, that's the kind of knowledge that, it, you know, we needed to gain early on. And we didn't have all the products we needed to start when, it, you know, you start talking about tankless. 
But all these years later, tankless water heaters, for that example, are so much better. And you still have people saying, well, they're not proven or they don't work. Or, you know, a lot of that just comes down to education. You know, people resist new technology a lot. You hear it in the building industry all the time. The sealing up thing, you know, the envelope of the building or using a new footing system or, you know, they're constantly saying, oh, that's not going to work. That's just because they haven't tried it. They don't know and they're going to be resistant to it. Have you seen like a, um, like I know like on the carpentry side of stuff, I've seen like a, a, a deterioration in like the quality of materials. I'm curious if you've seen that like in, in piping or in other materials you use, have you seen like a, the materials like degrading over time as far as quality? Like what they're offering us to you, like what's out there being installed or just for performance? Uh, like, yeah, like the quality versus like when you started to now, like PVC, shark bite, like PEX, like, are those all like, how do you feel about those materials? I think that there are things that have come out into the industry for plumbing and heating that aren't at the same quality level as they were 20, 25 years ago, of course. But I think that some of this new technology, some of these new materials is as good. It's just different. You know, a lot of uh, people will look at things like PEX piping, you know, obviously the most popular for water distribution in any house. And now, honestly, more and more in every commercial building. But they, they've made such improvements with this technology, with the materials, with the installation practices that it is as good as, let's say, copper, which it was probably replacing it just is a t entirely different system so you get a lot of pushback and you get a lot of ideas that maybe it's not as good and you know time is disproving that we've been using these new materials for like 30 years now it's you know and they're fine you know so i think people will look back at older building materials and practices and methods and think like well that was so much better because it lasted the test of time. Well, you have to give new stuff time. I mean, it, you know, we, something new comes along. It's not instantly a hundred years proven, you know? <laughs> so you got to give it time. If you're um, staying on that little topic really quick there, I mean, you know, if you, you know, uh, are working on your house or working on, you know, some, an important house, would you recommend copper over PEX because you think copper is a, a superior material or would you, you know, if you're just comparing copper and PEX, uh, which one's better? Uh, I think that actually for potable water, I think probably PEX is great. It's quieter. Uh, it's proven to last a really long time. I think we can get better performance out of it. I use a lot of copper in my heating systems. It's more rigid. It's a little more to the point. The type of materials that we have, the fittings and systems that I need for heating side of things, um, flanges, isolation valves, things like that. They just are made in the copper brass side of things and not in the PEX side. So if you're asking, I have, I put a, we built a house for my sister a couple of years ago. Every, it's very, I mean, it's my family. We plumbed it in PEX. Yeah. Interesting. I was going to say, I know for uh, DIY two PEX is the way to go for most people. Cause like I, any little plumbing I've done, I've gone PEX cause I don't know how to weld and 
solder and do all that's like that's this craft you know right there in that do you do you and so to that question do you think craft is lost when pecs can be you know put together by a homeowner uh or is it just superior uh i don't think the craft is lost so i think i think what's missing from that argument that you see so often is that somebody who's trained and, and experienced in their craft is going to be able to take a material that somebody, anybody can work with a piece of wood. I mean, I could build a house. It's not going to be a great house, <laughs> but I could do it. You know, uh, I can also, you could also plumb a house and maybe not as I would hope that you do a good job, but I don't think you're going to do as a good a job as I am, let's say just, you know, on the face of it, just for argument sake. Um, so I think that you can take a material that anybody can work with. Look, anybody can work with copper. Uh, soldering copper is a basic necessary skill to, to be in the plumbing industry. That's mm -hmm. all there is to it. Now doing it well is another thing and, you know, making it look pretty. That's great. But as long as the water stays on the inside <laughs> of the pipe, yeah, you know, like you've achieved the, the objective. Um, so to do our job with craft and like to have pride and do a great job, I think so much of that in the plumbing industry comes from your training, your knowledge of the code and protecting people from diseases. I mean, sanitary sewer systems are literally what has rid this country or most of the world from, you know, communicable diseases that were killing people literally just because of sewage, you know? Hmm. And so doing their job with, you know, high uh, integrity and following the rules and laws that are proven to protect people, you know, that takes craft in itself. Yeah, I, I think, uh, Eric, you might be hearing a, uh, a, a bit of jaded uh, craftsman over here on this side of the room because when you when you look at the, the woodworking trades, um, a lot of the cheaper and less long lasting options have now become the industry standard. Um, and I think for a lot of the reasons that you're explaining where like sanitization doesn't matter or doesn't come into play when you're putting up a wall. Um, now the structural integrity of your house does, but, um, that seems to be less of a concern to people than whether or not water is coming out of their bathtub. Um, but uh, I think the reason that we're kind of asking these questions is because we've seen, at least from a, a woodworking and craftsman standpoint on the, the home building side, um, MDF, uh, cheap doors, cheap windows have all become the industry standard. Um, and we have seen craft cheapened um, by a lot of these new materials. And it's encouraging and it's exciting to hear, um, at least for me personally, to hear that a lot of these plumbing innovations have not actually cheapened the industry, but they've instead are improving it. Um, tankless water heater sounds like an improvement, especially when they can uh, properly heat your house's water. Um, and it sounds like that's the, the direction that we're trending. But hopefully that provides just a little bit of context where we're coming from. Um, we're not I, hoping the worst of plumbing. We're genuinely curious, you know, where is plumbing at? in today's day and age, um, and as the, in, the industry has innovated, is it getting better? And, uh, yeah. Does, does plumbing have an MDF? <laughs> Cause MDF is, yeah, the, it does. I, the I hear word. what you're saying. And I, 
Yeah, yeah. I hear what you're saying, and I believe that there are some, like I said, I believe that some of this new technology, some of these new materials are that kind of MDF, but not all of them. And then you, I guess I, I, I just want the opportunity to say, too, though, that, like I was saying a minute ago, I think if you, you can take a lot of these materials that somebody might judge as, you know, not as high a quality as what we used to work with 20 years ago. I understand that. And you could make that argument, but installing them properly and efficiently and things like that are, are very important in the whole process of building a house, right? Or a building or, you know, a whole development, you name it. Yeah. And whether you're making, you know, the installation side or you're making repairs. So, um, that's a big part of my business too, is the repair thing. So I work with everything. I mean, I work with materials that are literally have been in use for a hundred plus years. We got a lot of old houses where I live and old in our country, meaning, you know, a hundred, 120 years old, Right. but you know, working with plumbing that was installed that many years ago, it's still, the basics are the same. Just literally the materials are different. And the reason why is because a hundred years ago, plastic wasn't even a thing. You know, like it, it, and a lot of the innovation we see is literally, it has been developed to lessen the, the wear and tear on, you know, the human body. You know, it's not just about doing things faster or for less money. In fact, a lot of the materials we're using today don't cost any less. They're just, they're, the, the cost really is on the, on the person installing it. We have less and less people that do this. We have more and more work to do. And people are wearing out. Like they're 50 years old and their bodies are wrecked. And a lot of that has to do with the old materials that were being used. Hmm. The uh, last question to beat this dead horse uh, as much as possible. The, what is your opinion of, of the state of building in general? Right. I mean, because I get excited when I hear about plumbing being licensed and I wish carpenters could be licensed was one of the goals here of kind of creating some standards and things like that. Um, are you uh, bullish or bearish on the state of building? I mean, you know, to Jackson's comments, you know, our fear here is that, you know, houses aren't built to last. And so, you know, products that are being put in aren't built to last. And so we're, you know, Take away our bias. Where are you? Where do you stand on that whole situation? I'll I'll be honest. I think I completely agree with you when it comes to whether or not a, a house today is built to last or not. There are so few builders out there in my market, and then I, you know, we're lucky to see this kind of. We have this connection with so many people all over the country and North, you know, North America in general, with, through social media, and we see really good stuff happening. But, you know, I drive down the road and there's a, there's a housing development going up. I live in a rural area and, you know, so minimum every house sits on two and a half acres. It's got a septic system, a well, um, they're almost every house looks exactly the same. It's being put up by a national builder and yes, they're like made out of plastic, um, <laughs> And MDF probably yeah. <laughs> and cardboard, but you know, so I, I, I don't, will those houses be there in a hundred years? I'm not sure. Um, I'm also not sure that our industry is, 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 I don't know if our, if the customer is looking to pay for a house that's going to last a hundred years. I think there are less of those than there are everybody that's just looking for what's available, I guess. Yeah, no, that's interesting. That makes a lot of sense. Um, 
I think uh, this kind of jumps off of that pretty nicely. Uh, one of the things that we're trying to do here is just elevate craft in America. We're trying to just um, take whatever standard we have right now and just raise the bar a little bit um, so that over time we can we can get it back up to a standard of uh, a house should be built to last. Um, you shouldn't need to repair something every 10 years. Or we had some comment uh, on one of Brent's videos say, I, I like that doors are cheap because I can just replace them after they're broken down or whatever. Um, <clears throat> in plumbing, how is craft elevated or cheapened? Like what are some of the ways that um, you as a master plumber feel like you're able to elevate the craft of plumbing, whereas maybe you see other plumbers cheapen it? I think just overall knowledge. Look, you can have somebody that's the best that they're in the industry. Like that's not me. There's a lot of other, other plumbers out there that are way better than I am. And they can put in a crooked pipe, you know, like when I think just knowledge of, of providing safe, reliable systems and meeting the needs of the customer. I think a lot of what is lost in the new construction um, industry now in the housing industry, especially is that these builders are building on a ledger or a spreadsheet, they're not at all worried what customers want in the end. And do you I feel mean, that not even in the plumbing in the custom industry? home industry? These, yeah, yeah, these custom homes, these you know, these McMansions, call them whatever you want. Um, however well they're built, it seems that what's lost is educating a customer on you know what we can do for them and what they could experience in the end, the end product, like. People love things like really cool showers and things, you know, but these builders have gotten to the point where they've got to take a percentage markup on every single trade that goes in there to do that work. And they start limiting the options to their customers and because they don't want a house to take two years to build, mm. you know, and instead they're just going to go with a cheaper, you know, this is what you're going to get. It's worked so well for everybody so far. And, you know, don't ask. Yeah. Yeah. We see that too. Um, kind of curious too, and just a little bit of a pivot, um, you know, in our effort to encourage craft, I want, um, you know, what, wh what would you consider your secret sauce, right? What would you consider? Why are you successful? Um, you know, what makes you good? Um, you know, n not only just, you know, the, maybe your niche in the market or, but you, how you set up your business and how you, uh, uh, you've made decisions, for instance, not to be huge. And you, you, you know, talk about your workforce, talk about, you know, how you, how you approach your week and kind of the jobs you take and stuff like that. Tell us, tell us a little bit about the business side of it, if you don't mind. Yeah. Well, when I started out, I didn't know at all what I was doing. And one of the things I look back on that was probably my biggest mistake was that I was working in new construction, I thought that's what I had to do to make money as a plumber. And I was working for builders that um, were doing good work. And we were doing, you know, we we're building these houses that were at least acceptable quality. Um, we had, we had happy customers and everything was great and everybody's getting paid. But early on, I learned that I wasn't running my business properly. So I didn't know how to make money or how much money I wasn't making. Right. And so that was kind of my, that was the first thing I had to learn because I was a good mechanic and I had the same 
kind of background everybody does in this industry when they first start out. I'm really good at this. I should do it on my own. And then it took me about five years of really, you know, pounding my fist against the desk at night, trying to figure out how I was, wasn't making the money I thought I should <laughs> to learn how to run the book, the bookkeeping side of things. Right. And then as time got, you know, moved on, I just learned that I needed to get better, not only at running my business, but if I was going to be any different from my competition at all, I had to be good at sales and I had to be like absolutely good at what I was saying I was good at. Like I have to know gas systems and venting systems and water systems and appliances. I have to know that stuff, the technical stuff better than my competition in order to say I'm better than them and to convince people that they need to hire me instead of them. How long did that take you to, you know, become proficient? Do you think? Huh. Um, still what's working the on year? it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, uh, there's room for improvement all the time. I'm not even joking. Uh, yeah. and I'm not trying to be humble. I, I truly believe that I'm doing things today differently than I was doing them a year ago at this exact time. Uh, and because I've, I'm trying new things, I'm trying to get better. Um, I think ultimately, I think what has made me successful is that I, I went away from the new construction industry because I wasn't good at that. I didn't want to become an employer. Uh, I didn't want to have multiple people working for me. The stress level of that is, is more than I was willing to take on. Uh, so I, I was tired of chasing payment on, you know, building projects that were 120, 260, 360 days old. And I decided I would like to work for the end user, the customer directly. And I think that's ultimately what gave me, uh, you know, a leg to stand on. Is that what you do right now? Pretty much primarily is work for direct to the homeowner. Yeah. It's the, I, re, that's probably the part of my job I like the most. I mean, it could be the most challenging too. You meet a lot of different <laughs> kinds of people. <laughs> but you know, I can be challenging for people to work with too. I understand that. Um, but I think that the appreciation and the relationship you can build, uh, it, it's a two way street, but you, there's a lot of opportunity there. If you hire me, you're not hiring, you know, this intermediate person that you have to relay messages to, and then they're going to get it to the people out in the field. We have a discussion about where you want that faucet to be in your shower. I'm the guy putting it there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So like that's a, there's a lot of value to my customers. And then, I, you know, I'm the person that they consult with initially be, and it's valuable that I'm also the one that's going to do the job. How many, uh, guys do you have that work with you? Is it truly just you or, um, do you have like a small team of people? I have a, I have a small team of people I can tap into that are also self-employed and do not work for me. They, you know, we've got a small network of, of, uh, like-minded people that are in similar trades. I've got a couple of electrician buddies, a couple of HVAC guys, and a couple of plumbers. And so that honestly, I bet you 95% of everything I can do, I can do by myself. And the occasion is that they might help me as if we've got a, uh, deadline to meet or an emergency to fix, or if we've just got equipment that's just physically too large. And we need multiple people. 
So, you know, that transition from being, uh, you know, working for builders and, and that whole world. And, and I, I appreciate hearing that because I, I couldn't, I tried when I first got back to Texas, I started working for builders and that ended pretty quick for me too. The, um, uh, how that transition over to homeowners, was it, um, was it easy? Was it, um, you know, did you, did you advertise? Did, was it all word of mouth? I mean, how did you get the word out? How did you transition your business that way? Oh, it was difficult. Um, I was still relying at the time on a lot of referral work. I mean, I'm thankful and, and I'd be silly to say I didn't rely on it now too, but at the time starting out, I didn't have a reputation with a lot of people because with new construction, what you get as a service contractor, like a plumber, a subcontractor, uh, you, you get a job from the builder, you get paid and you move on to the next. You don't get return work unless it's warranty. You don't, you don't have homeowners that even, that might even know your company name. And that was the biggest challenge for me early on was, is I was doing all this work, volumes of work, and I had employees and we were out there doing the work and it was great. And it seemed like everybody was making money. And then, you know, two, three, four years would go and we never went back to those houses. If they finished their basement and they needed plumbing done, they didn't call us because they didn't know who we were. They had, a, they had a house that they bought that a builder built them. They didn't have a plumber. They just had a builder. Wow. And so that was a, that was a big transition for me to create this uh, reputation in the industry in my, or I'm sorry, in my uh, local area as somebody that could be dependable and trusted and, and solve problems for people because they didn't know who I was. They just knew that, you know, occasionally some of them I would run across, I'd plumbed their house and maybe they saw my van in the driveway. That's about it. Wow. That is really frustrating because those homeowners probably could have gotten whatever problem they had uh, solved pretty quick if they knew to call you rather than, uh, you know, Joe Schmo's plumbing agency. Uh, it's like <laughs> they could have called the guy who did it, who installed it, who. What is um, that transition over and, and uh, you know, how much you, you've got a separate business, a media business called Mechanical Hub. Um, when did that start? Uh, just 10 years ago, actually. So we we decided that there at the time, there just wasn't any good digital resources all Who, in one place. Who's, who's we? Oh, I'm sorry. I have a, a, plum, I have a partner uh, who's a former print magazine uh, editor and, and um, publisher. He worked in the industry already. And we were looking at the industry as, you know, uh, eventually younger people are going to come into this trade <laughs> at the time. It didn't seem like anybody was, um, and you know, the internet was obviously not brand new, but the industry that I'm in was not, uh, embracing the internet. Everything was printed in a magazine once a month. And you had to wait to see what was in that magazine to learn about new products or methods or hear from, other people, installers or service people in the industry give you kind of tips and tricks. And I thought, let's do that every single day. You know, if a new product comes out, there's no reason somebody should have to wait a month or two to see it or learn about it. We can do that literally right now. And so we started a website media company and we competed. Our competition was the print magazines. And now almost all of those magazines no longer print. 
you know, they've moved to digital and, and remain our competitors actually. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's interesting. The, uh, was that move to do the mechanical hub, uh, an effort to try that sounds like an education effort more than it was a marketing effort to find homeowners or find new clients. Yeah. So I, I just, I kept the two completely separate from each other. Uh, there was an advantage I had early on and still today as, uh, creating content for mechanical hub, um, was that I'm out in the field doing it. I'm an actual plumber and I can talk about sure marketing kind of content, you know, we can talk about a new product and just say, this is this and, you know, but it's coming from somebody who knows what they're talking about. So that's a little bit different than just like a salesperson for that company. Right. But it, it really was educational driven, uh, giving somebody, you know, people like me, uh, that were looking for information, giving them a resource to find it. You had said something when you're talking about, um, changing over from the, the builder to the homeowner and trying to, you know, market yourself now. I mean, I would suspect that, you know, old Eric Ani was, you know, had employees, was scrambling for builders, chasing bills, you know, you know, trying to, you know, become a manager versus, you know, the new Eric and who is now working with customers, slower pace, maybe a little higher craft. Um, and, and that kind of fits your personality. Is that an accurate you know, way of, of representing it, um, that you're able to practice your craft better now than you were kind of scrambling to work for builders. Yeah, no, I think that, that you couldn't have said it better. I, that was the biggest challenge at the, you know, when I was doing construction, uh, was the management side of things. And then it's not as if you don't have to know how to run your business and be good at it. In fact, improving that is only going to help you and it's going to help your customers and they're going to be much more eager to work with you. But because I have things a little more figured out than I did then, uh, I am able to take on projects that I probably shouldn't have been then um, because I can take the time to do it right. You know, we can sit through consultation meetings and, and come up with really cool plans on how to achieve the goals that people have, you know, a lot of people think of plumbing as like, you know, I need to flush the toilet. It needs to work, or I don't want to run out of hot water. And that is, those are two very, very important things. (laughs) But, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people don't sit down and think like, is my new house that I'm going to build or this renovation that we're going to do, or this addition onto the house? Like, how do we, are we going to be comfortable when we move into it? Like, they just think like, oh, well, there's going to be a heating and cooling system. <laughs> they just take for granted that it's going to work. And like, but are they going to be comfortable? And so like, I get to have conversations like that and make recommendations on what I think on a craft that, you know, like looking at the materials that are available, my experience with them and knowing what works and proving it over and over and fixing the things that don't like that kind of knowledge is what lets me sit down with this new kind of business model and work with people and solve real problems, hopefully before they even happen. As opposed to looking at a set of plans and going that that's going to be, you know, 30 grand to put the plumbing in and, you know, boom, gone, you know, it's right. I mean, it's. Yeah, that's exactly what is, that's what this industry is, is the, the major, the big contractors are going to the subs and saying, 
we're going to pay you this to do the plumbing. Right. Oh, interesting. They, they, you know, they, yeah, they don't, they don't let you bid it. They just say, will you (laughs) do it for this? How interesting. Uh, And if you don't, we'll just hire somebody else. (laughs) Where's (laughs) the craft in that? The craft in that is knowing how to run an Excel spreadsheet and what it needs to say at the end, you know? Right. Well, and then you get into the game of, you know, well, in in order to hit that budget, I'm going to have to pay my, you know, my, my employees this amount of dollars and, you know, I can't find those guys. I'm going to have to find cheaper guys. And, you know, and all of a sudden you start chasing bad decisions that lead to, you know, bad problems. Yeah, I think in the industry is driven. Um, this maybe comes back to that materials and like have things cheapened up. Uh, and it ties it together, I think, with what you're talking about. Um, if you're going to build a new custom home, everything is an extra, right? Like everything. You want more than what this model that you walked into last weekend had in it? Do you even remember what the flooring was in the right. kitchen? Like you're not going <laughs> to. People see and they go see a thousand houses before they've finally settled. Like, let's interview this builder and see what they can do for us. Yeah. Every one of those builders, whether they're the best or not, I mean, they're working on the kind of the same model. Everything is an extra. And if you're not sitting down with those sub trades and you're not learning about what maybe. Uh, these people have to say by experience saying, no, you don't want that, you know, big tank water heater. Let's put a tankless in for you. It's so much better, but that's yeah. an extra, you know? So like approaching it from the beginning, um, maybe it's different than saying we're going to put a door in that's going to last a hundred years, but I could put in equipment. It's not going to last a hundred years. It's just not, I'm sorry. They don't make that stuff anymore, but I can take the best and I can apply it to the people, you know, in their situation and give them what they want from the beginning versus having to worry about it later or being frustrated. Like who wants to build a half million dollar home, live in it for three years and go, we should renovate. This sucks. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so, you know, like maybe that's in my industry. Maybe that's really where the craft is like knowing that stuff and how to get in front of it and, and propose it to people so that they're not frustrated from day one. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're just, you're more custom tailored to the, their experience with their house, just presenting them more opportunities. Like, Hey, you could do this. It'll probably get you here. Or this one will get you even further down the road. Even when it comes to the hardware, I just bought a brass P trap for my uh, powder bathroom and it was taking a while to come in. So I went to the store and I was like, I'll just pop this, uh, you know, it was, I don't even know what it was. It was like cheap plastic, like just complete oh, yeah. junk. <laughs> it wasn't PVC. It was like chrome plated something, six, $10 thing. I went to like put my wrench on it and just put too much pressure and just cracked it. And I was like, yeah. what did I do something? I mean, I probably could have finessed it a little more, but, um, yeah, just presenting people with options. Like, I think that's kind of what you're saying, giving them like choices. Yeah. No, I, 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 I appreciate you saying that because that's what I'm trying to say. I think that a lot of what we do could be approached differently. You know, it doesn't have to be the cheapest. Like everybody's got to have the lowest bid. Like I'm so sick of having the lowest bid. I don't want to <laughs> do jobs where I'm the lowest bidder. I don't want that. And I haven't wanted that for a long time. Right. Um, what do you say to the young plumber out there? you know, maybe he's a journeyman, maybe he's just become a master, you know, how does, how does he approach the next five or 10 years? What advice do you give to them? Well, I mean, that's a big question. (laughs) Um, 
I, I think I think what has worked for me are a few different things. One of the things I like to stress, and I've talked so much about it already, is just being open to learning new things. Don't write something off because you're not, you know, familiar with it. Technology is a great example. You know, what we're using to pipe a house or a boiler system or a heating system, whatever. Look at new equipment, learn about it. If you want to be really good and have, you know, built a reputation behind you that says people can trust you, you need to know everything you possibly can about what you're doing daily. And, you know, maybe you don't want to do everything. Maybe you want to specialize in something. If you can be the best at that because you specialized in it, then you're going to be more successful. What I appreciate hearing from you is that, you know, education, education, education. And, you know, that's, um, what, that's what we've talked about. You know, how do you become the best? Uh, you, you, you know, it's a little bit, it parallels my career just that I feel like I read more, <laughs> I study more, I, I uh, investigate more. I, you know, I'm trying to be the expert. How do you be the expert? You know, more than everybody else. And so, um, how do you know more than everybody? Well, you research and you look and you practice and you do things. And so, um, you know, it's not a, you know, there's not a finish line. It's a, it's a pursuit, um, you know, that I think, you know, makes you good at what you're doing, at what you're doing. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I agree. Totally. There is no finish line. Yeah. Uh, Eric, we've got a kind of a fun question for you here. Um, the, the question is, uh, if you are stranded on a desert Island or, um, in a beat down house that needs desperately plumbing, uh, but you're only allowed three tools to bring with you, uh, what are you bringing oh, to the job site with you, uh, to plumb this desert Island or to plumb this, uh, broken down house? You got to bring that truck behind you. Oh boy. <laughs> Yeah, trucks included. Yeah. Trucks for free. Yeah, I'm going to bring <laughs> I'm going to bring my plumbing van. No. Uh, <laughs> that's a good question, you know. <laughs> um, boy, just couldn't be done with 3, but you know, you of course you got to I think you have to have a good set of pliers. Like there are really good pliers out there and like there are junk pliers, so like really good pliers as a plumber. Uh-huh. Um I can't even remember the last time I used my hammer, so I don't need that. <laughs> uh, shoot, you guys got me. I can't. I don't know. I don't know. Tape measure? Nah, we can figure something out. Like, how long is my forearm? You know. Uh, shoot, I don't know. That you got me. You got me. Good, good pair of players. I'm. That's it. I don't know. There's too many. I need. There's too many plump. You know, tools. Yeah. For for those watching the podcast on uh, on YouTube, uh, tell us about the truck behind you. Yeah, that's my that's my fun little toy. So I bought a imported a truck from Japan. I worked with a guy in New York. So if anybody listening to this wants to know who he is, hit me up over on my Instagram at Mechanical Hub. Uh, it's fun. It's a it's a older. Um, it's from Japan. It's a Honda. It's got all wheel drive. It's right hand drive. It's so much fun. It's so cool. I put my name on it. I drive it around town, and people just stop and look like, "What? <laughs> How big's the engine?" Uh, it's three cylinder, 600 CC. <laughs> when I, actually, I pull that, I pull into people's driveways with that all the time. Cause I go do like estimates and stuff with it. Yeah. That's cool. 
Um, hey, Eric, thanks so much for being with us on the show. It was uh, very enlightening and uh, great to hear your perspective on you know plumbing and craft and everything else. Yeah, Eric, we would love uh, for the people who are watching to be able to support you or follow you. At, uh would love to just give you a chance to shout out where they can do that. Yeah, thanks. So you can find me over uh, on mechanicalhub.com. I'm on TikTok, I'm on Instagram, I'm on YouTube. Just look for Mechanical Hub. So, like, the two words, mechanical and hub. Um, and you can find me just about on, you know, anywhere on those social medias. And then, of course, the Build Show Network. Build Build Network? I think it's Build Show Network. I think it's yeah. Build Show Network. Build Show Yeah, there Network. you go. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah, that was great. Thanks for jumping on. Uh, yeah. And uh, have a good Christmas. Thank you. You too, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Eric. Take care.